The contents of the lab report are meant for educational purposes only. They're not meant to be misconstrued as medical diagnosis or treatment advice. Today on the lab report, we're going to talk to Dr. Taz Batia. You know her. She's super famous. She's got a new book out called The Hormone Shift. And she's here. Yeah. That's amazing. I know. The world of medicine can be challenging. Clinicians and patients are always looking for more options, more effective treatments, and in the end, more answers. Functional and integrative medicine focuses on addressing root causes of disease. Here at Genova Diagnostics, we've watched this field evolve and grow for over 35 years. We've not only adapted, we've led. Join us as we talk about functional medicine, laboratory testing, and optimizing health. Welcome to the Lab Report. You like hot stuff, okay. Texas Pete versus Frank's Red Hot. Texas Pete. Oh, that Every was Every day quick. of the week and twice quick. on Sunday. Wow. Tell the difference? Yes. Oh. Hello! Hi, I'm Michael Chapman. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. Wow! Patty Devers, how are you? I'm really glad to hear that you're doing so fantastically. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. How are oh. you? I'm crushing it and living my best life. Sweet. As per usual. Yeah. I know. How about it? <laughs> so this is a podcast. It's called The Lab Report. It's brought to you by Genova Diagnostics. Thank you to Genova. Thank you. I have to find the button. Hold on. Where's the button? Oh my gosh. Here it is. Thank you, Genova. Thank you. And it's where we talk about things like functional medicine, specialty lab testing, integrative therapeutics, and the like. And you know what? I hate that I have to do this part because, you know, I watch a lot of YouTube and I hate when they constantly say, subscribe, hit the thumbs up so you get alerts. But really, it is important and it helps the show. So if you have been following us, because it's just annoying, it's repetitive, it's on every video. And Hmm. here we are saying it on every episode, but it is important because it helps the show. You think people people know by now? I do. Like, Like, just hit the follow us, subscribe, rate, review, share with your friends, all the good stuffs. But you have to appeal to people's emotions. You'd be like, look, we are in a broom cabinet, broom (laughs) closet, (laughs) and we haven't been fed for seven days. (laughs) And the only way that they will bring us any food is if you hit that. Wow follow or subscribe button i can't even remember what which one of the two it is because i it's been dark in here for seven days you did make a compelling argument so thank, thanks for doing that if you have questions you mm-hmm. want to communicate with us you got feedback you can send all of that stuff to podcast at gdx.net um and we'll check it as soon as they let us out of here <laughs> i love the email i love reading it furthermore if you are a consumer out there interested in looking at genova's products for yourself you can head over to our genova connect site which is connect.gdx.net there you can order products directly yourself and we can connect you with a genova client somewhere in your area to help guide your health care yeah do yeah all that and there's also a promo code there is. in case you want to save money if oh, you're like that oh, sort of person who doesn't uh, want to save money so you can use the Lab Report 20 and get 20% off any order through Genova Connect. That's like our gift to you. That's a lot of money. That's Just really for listening awesome. to us. That's really awesome. You're welcome. <laughs> Though I don't want to totally be down on uh, Frank's Red Hot because I do use Frank's Red Hot buffalo sauce. If uh, I Sometimes I'll make my own buffalo sauce. Yeah. Uh, but if I'm feeling lazy and I don't want to do that, I'll use Frank's. I, I think it's a great number two. Well, I will say to those out there, Michael and I have been planning for two years to do kind of a Hot Ones version of this podcast. Sure, if you yeah. follow Sean Evans, Hot Ones, where he's escalating heat of hot sauce. And so we're trying to get some video ups so that Michael and I can square off. But Michael is an aficionado of really hot, I hot like sauce. Hot. I like hot sauce. So yeah. I know I'm going to lose. So I, We probably shouldn't have said Hot Ones or Sean Evans uh, right. because then when if we actually do it, we're probably going to get sued. But we're not big enough really to acquire any attention. <laughs> Sean Evans isn't think. listening to this. Yeah. So anyway. Um, okay. 
all of that being said, wh- oh my, why did we waste so much time? We have Dr. <laughs> Taz Bhatia on. That's Dude. so silly of us. Well, you've seen her on the Today Show. You've seen her on the Dr. Oz Show. She's <laughs> you've famous. Seen, you've seen Dr. Taz on Dr. Oz <laughs> and on the Today Show. But let me tell you a little bit about hot sauce while we, before we get there. <laughs> well, let's stop God. talking. Let's just call her. We should absolutely stop talking. Michael. Dude. I know. Famous. I know. Famous. I don't even know what to say about this. Hold on to your seat, people. Dr. Taz Batia is here. And if you live under a rock, perhaps, and you don't know Dr. That's Taz, not possible. let us it's tell you a not. little bit about Dr. Taz. Dr. Taz Batia is a board certified integrative medicine physician and wellness expert who gained national recognition as a best selling author of the books What Doctors Eat, The 21 Day Belly Fix, Superwoman RX, and The Hormone Shift, which is available now. Yeah, the new one, yeah. yeah. Dr. Taz is a fellow of the University of Arizona a program in integrative medicine led by Dr. Andrew Weil, having completed the fellowship in 2008. A native of Atlanta, she attended the Westminster Schools, Emory University, the University of Georgia, and the Medical College of Georgia. After completing her residency in pediatrics at the Medical College of Virginia in 2000, she received the Emily Gardner Award for Best Pediatric Resident. Dr. Taz has been featured in Atlanta's top docs and voted numerous times as Best Atlanta Integrative Medicine Physician. Her integration of Eastern medical wisdom with modern science, along with her unique power type discovery, has led to featured segments on the Today Show, might have heard of it, Dr. Oz, live with Kelly and Ryan, (laughs) and eventually (laughs) the premiere of her own PBS special, Superwoman RX with Dr. Taz. And with that, welcome, Dr. Taz. Oh my goodness. Thank you. What a generous, kind introduction. Thank you guys so much <laughs> yeah. for having me. For sure, for sure. So one thing that kind of perked my interest was you you speak about your disillusionment with conventional healthcare system, even while you were still a medical resident in your 20s. And, um, you know, many of us are kind of aware that medical school is a quick path to personal health dysfunction and destruction. <laughs> yes, um, yes, yes, yes. But like, what was it like to, to feel like you were being let down by the system you would soon be entering professionally? I think you like really start to question your choices, right? Like I think most doctors go into medicine. I would say most healthcare practitioners go into medicine because we truly like had these lofty ideals. Like we're going to help people. We're going to change the world. Mm -hmm. We're going to like do all this stuff. And when you get in there, you know, and part of it's being 20 something, right? And just being super idealistic. (laughs) But, you know, part of it is just like, wait, this is like, like a machine. And this Mm -hmm. like machine has to hum and be fed and, you know, there's very little bonding with the patient. It's a lot more about, you know, what procedure, what pharmaceutical, what, you know, what referral, you know, it's very like, very kind of like cut and dry. And as somebody who, you know, is partly creative, you know, and, you know, doesn't always walk between two lines, I th- I found it like a little suffocating, you know, mm. to be honest, mm-hmm. and um, wasn't really quite sure, you know, what direction to go in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think Patty resonates with that a little bit. I do, I I do, because it's like the physical toll that it takes on. Did you you have a a health crisis in your training, or was it just mental and? Well, I think it started. Yeah, I started in my training, but I think it exaggerated when I actually started working. So Mm. I think the sign again, what you know, you know, hindsight twenty twenty. So it probably started well into my mid twenties, like shortly after graduating medical school, and then just sort of crescendo through residency as we, you know, did the whole night shift, yeah. day shift, night shift, day shift, like yep. in the hospital for three days straight, all yep. that other stuff. Yep. And then got to working and took an ER job. And that job too, like sort of, you know, 
perpetuated those habits, those lifestyle habits. So, you know, it went from like, oh, you know, there's nothing really wrong to stuff I couldn't ignore. Mm -hmm. And that sent me on a journey of trying to get answers. And after going down that journey, you get even more disillusioned, more disheartened. And so that really became the turning point for me. Yeah. yeah. And and you even talk about how you then turn to some Eastern medicine strategies like traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda. Two of my for, favorite modalities. For, of totally. Michael's favorite for mm-hmm. additional study. What was it about those approaches that you think were the key to overcoming your own personal health struggles or filling in some of the blanks? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, some of this journey was accidental. I I literally was prescribed a medication that I had a really bad side effect to. And, Mm. you know, I attribute that medication, you know, to a car crash that I had. What? So, you know, so some of it was like, okay, I've got to figure this out. I've got to do this on my own. And me just kind of literally searching things. We didn't have Google and all its glory that that we have today, Mm -hmm. right? So stumbled on like the American Board of Holistic Medicine. I don't know if you guys have seen that. I Mm -hmm. think they've rebranded, but they're still around. And went to one of their weekend conferences and like the whole thing just opened up. I'm like, what are these guys talking about? Like what, you know? And so I was super attracted to Chinese medicine and Ayurveda because they really stress the importance of nutrition and lifestyle on overall health. And then, you know, Ayurveda, my mom, you know, we're Indian and my mom would like have all these crazy remedies and concoctions that, of course, as a teenager, I dismissed as (laughs) ridiculous, you know. And so now people are actually talking about it and and saying that they actually have some merit and some value. So it kind of caught my attention. And so I did a couple of things and I became, after that, I became a certified nutrition specialist. I traveled out to California and got my acupuncture certification. I got an Ayurvedic certification. Um, I'd already been sort of introduced to Ayurveda through yoga too. So that wasn't completely unfamiliar. And then finally did the fellowship with Andy Weil out in Arizona and finished that program in 2008. So that, that was sort of myself imposed training. It took me probably four or five years to get all those different things done. Mm -hmm. I'm still working the ER through all of this and, you know, starting a family. My husband's in dental school. And, you know, he kind of encouraged me at that point, like as I'm finishing the fellowship and he was coming out of school, he was just like, I think you need to do something with this. Like you healed yourself. Everyone else keeps asking you like what you did and what was different. And I think you need to share your story and actually start something. And I'm like, what? Because it really was, there's no master plan. There still really isn't, but there was no (laughs) master plan, you know, or grand scheme of like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. So I'm like, okay, sure. That sounds easy enough. And he was like, super reassuring and like oh you don't have to worry about overhead you know you literally have to show up one or two days a week and you can still work in the er and all these other things and so our grand plan was i do like eight to ten er shifts because we had had one child and we were about to have the second and i would work like one or two days a week in this little hobby practice which was really just open till two o'clock and then i'd be home every day by three and i'd be able to like be with the kids and all that other stuff well yeah that blew up in our face really fast <laughs> and it didn't take long probably probably six months into like saying i i'm open and i've arrived it just turned into something else and nice. obviously the same experience i had was the experience that millions of people continue to have around the world and i think it's now just a movement and we've yeah. seen that movement that was 15 years ago we've seen that movement we see it continue to grow and you know kind of really just the words like integrative medicine and functional medicine and holistic medicine i think are no longer like well what's that you know like i think people people kind of understand so i'm really excited about the direction things are moving in but mine was 
very accidental. Yeah, that's that's perfect too, and a great segue because you know we have a lot of clinicians that listen because we we tend to get pretty you know clinical and scientific on this podcast. Yeah. Um, yeah. And many of them are you know maybe they're new to functional integrative medicine and they're trying to figure out how to make that shift. And you've been able to kind of both combine integrative and conventional medicines in a way, uh, marry the two approaches, and then use it to like bridge the gap and build your own thing. What would you what would you say to some of the clinicians who are maybe they're struggling? They've got the ER shifts. They're they're yeah. trying and scrapping to try and get out. Uh, like, what are some of your your keys you would you try to impart to them? Well, look. First of all, like for anyone who is wanting to transition, um, I would do a slow transition. I wouldn't do a hard transition because it does take time to figure out. First of all, you know what sort of situation you want to work in. Are you really equipped to run a practice and build a practice if that's what you're thinking about? You know, do you want to have your own? Do you want to be a part of a team? Do you want to, you know, do you want to be a part of a big hospital institution and run one of their programs? Do you want to work for a corporation? You know, there are a lot of opportunities in the space. I, I would spend some time first thinking through, like, what workflow situation do you, you know, what work situation do you really thrive in and do your best in? I will tell you just from personal experience. I've kind of been in all those roles. I've worked by myself, right, for the first few years. Those were different stressors. I was by myself. I had maybe two employees at the most. And while the business was simple, right, because at the end of the day, these practices are businesses, well, it was fairly simple. It was all, also, I found it incredibly stressful because everything was on me, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So we go on vacation and I'm answering texts and messages and emails and, you know, problem solving things and employee quits. I'm dealing with that, you mm -hmm. know, all that other stuff. Um, I made the decision to grow a team really based on the patient experience. And I would say it's like what the flaw might be in the field of functional and holistic medicine is that we are a lot of one-off practices and the patient at the end of the day, the realization that I had had, you know, probably two or three years into this was, you know, they really need a quarterback. They need a one-stop shop. They don't need to take advice from me and then go down the street and be told that this advice is stupid or mm -hmm. she's a quack or whatever else I was being called. And they were getting, they were just getting lost. And with the conflicting opinions, they were basically doing nothing. And I was like, mm -hmm. oh my God, this is not going to work. Sure. This is not going to, this can't be a hobby practice. This has to be I'm in or I'm out, you know? And so I think it was that day that I made the resolve that this had to be a big bigger deal. I got out of my husband's dental office and found my own space with, of course, his help and support as he continues to do so today and, and just made a decision that we had to grow a team. And, and that process of growing a team comes with wins and losses. I've like had definitely some, some heavy hits that have hurt my heart to a certain extent. Yeah. People aren't always what they seem to be mm -hmm. and don't always live up to their promises. Right. But it's made me stronger every single time. And where we stand today is we have a pretty robust team. We have about 12 providers. We have about 30, 40 employees. We have a core team that's been with me probably for about almost 10 years. And so as we've been able to add to that, it's there's really something beautiful about being able to work as a team, but more importantly for the patient, we are able to practice, we're able to practice and deliver full, you know, full care. We're not saying, you know, go find your primary care, or go find this person or go find that person. We're really able to do it all in house. And I and I am so and just watching more as an observer, like being able to sit back a little bit and watch the evolution. It's really how I think medicine should be developing and evolving into. And I'm pretty passionate about it. So now we're working with folks bigger than me to figure out how we can make that dream and vision come to life. How can we have that type of medicine on your street corner 
you know, that be your medical home um, in a way that, you know, in a way that serves everybody well. So, so I think for the practitioner listening, I think, you know, I don't want to over romanticize having your own solo practitioner uh, outlet. I feel like there are pros and cons to that, um, you know, and for for the practitioner thinking about where do they belong? You know, I think you have to, you know, one of the things I regret, I, I wish I knew myself better before I embarked on this journey. Mm. Right. Like you need to know your stressors. You need to know your mm. personality type. You need to know you know, situations that, you know, maybe bring out the worst in you and situations that might bring out the best in you. And part of building a team is to let others do the stuff you don't like to do because it doesn't serve the company well when you're having to do those things, you know? So when I look back on my journey, I wish I had, again, remember this was all accidental for me, but I wish I had spent a certain amount of time on self-discovery and understanding how I'm wired and owning it and being proud of it and not apologizing for it, but also being like, mm, I'm not your minutia detail person. That person's over here. I'm not your this person. That person's over there. So I think, you know, some of that needs to be a part of the process. Otherwise, you find yourself in situations that make you really unhappy. And that's not the point of any of this. Yeah, that's so great. It's that's profound. such great advice, Dr. Mm -hmm. Taz. I mean, I think it's so easy to become emotional and fed up or burnt out. And, you know, and, and when you make that decision emotionally, you don't have exactly a solid vision and you're saying you got to get the vision like you, it's okay it's one thing to be burnt out and know what you you want to change but then you right. got to visualize yeah. the change and that's yeah. so great yeah and, and also don't go from the frying pan to the fire right yeah. i mean you know you can i was super burned out in my er job and all that other stuff but i was very strategic about how i went about it you know so i didn't leave the er I opened my practice i think in 09 i didn't leave the er till 2012 you know yeah. i had a solid three years yeah to really like, you know, like, is this right? What am I doing? You know, where do I go next before I actually pull the lever of um, camel in, you know? So just, you know, just be thoughtful and deliberate and understand the grass is, is green, but not necessarily greener on the <laughs> right. other side. Right. And everything has different stressors and different challenges, you know, and, and you just have to be wired for that. Yeah. Sure. And, and show yourself some grace in the process. Yeah. Totally. Um, a main focus of this amazing practice that you built is women's health. I mean, you're kind yes. of like the experts that people go to also for pediatrics, sure. of yeah. course, but you have an interesting approach to wellness that incorporates women's power type. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can, can you speak to what you mean by power type and the approach you take to your superwoman group? Yes, I, um, I'd like to continue to work harder on that, actually. Uh, my latest book was on hormones, and we were very granular about hormones, but I want to come back to that power type methodology. So it was literally a vision I had one day in practice. So our methodology in practice is, you know, you do your routine history and physical that all of us, you know, have been trained to do from the get-go. Then you do an Ayurvedic diagnostic, a Chinese medicine diagnostic, a nutrition history, um, and then we do like the emotional history and the social history and stuff like that. And so as I'm talking to these women, I can't remember what point it was, probably had been in practice eight or nine years at this point. Like literally I found that people that were of a particular Ayurvedic diagnostic 
you know, category mirrored a pattern in Chinese medicine, mm. mirrored a nutritional diet that they seem wow. to do really well with, mirrored okay. a hormone pattern, and mirrored a personality type, yeah. you know, and it was pretty fascinating. And so as I kept doing this, I like literally, I don't even know how to describe it without being too weird, like on the wall in a particular exam room, room four, I remember it was literally like written out, like mm. your pitta, liver meridian, high cortisol, you know, and it was yeah. just like, boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, oh my God, I need to go home and write all this down. So that's how it started. It's just me kind of writing this down and seeing these patterns and then being like, again, thinking, you know, about me and other people I know and thinking about me in my 20s falling apart. I'm like, I wish I had this information. Yeah. Like, I wish somebody had handed me like, hey, this is you. These are the things that you're going to be really good at and great at. Probably, you know, piggybacking on this whole idea of self-discovery. These are the things you're going to be really good and really great at. These are the, your areas of weaknesses. These are your nutritional patterns that you need to follow. These are the hormones you need to watch out for. Um, it's a little mini handbook on you and you're going to change as you go through the course of your life and have children and, you know, other things that come up in life. But, you know, uh, it's important for you to come back and revisit this. And so I had the idea. I was scared to talk about the idea because it's a little bit out there. It's part <laughs> medicine, part personality, yeah, part sure. psychology, yeah, right. part all this stuff. And I remember talking to Maria Rodale, who, you know, her publishing house uh, is Rodale, and they sold it ultimately to Penguin Random House. And meeting her and uh, having a conversation with her, she's like, oh, my God, I love that. Yeah. I love that idea. Yeah. You have to write about that. And so I did. And so that's how the Superwoman RX was born. And uh, since then, I've been playing a little bit with archetypes for men and for children, too. And my next goal is to do it for the whole family so that, yeah. you know, and this is, again, based off experience, right? I've got two teenagers, a husband, <laughs> you know, extended family, the whole, yeah. the whole, a dog, all of it. So it's really, it's interesting to me with the challenges I've had there, like same like aha moment, like, oh, if I only had known X, Y, and Z, I would have spoken to you or dealt with you in a different way mm. or monitored your health in a different way, you know? Yeah. And so I kind of, again, I kind of, my secret desire is to be able to gift that to every family so that as they're navigating those conversations or even health of their spouse or their children or whoever else, you know, they have a little bit of a mini roadmap to be like, okay, maybe I should be thinking about this stuff, you know? Sure. Wow. Nothing like teenagers to have like a demonstration of your raw constitutional nature, right? right? I mean, that's. Right. <laughs> well, I'll have okay. you know that. Right. Uh, Patty is actually she. So you can go on on your website and take a quiz to figure I've out. I've done the quiz. Yeah. I don't, Patty, I wonder you're, you. you're a boss lady. <laughs> yeah. Patty's a boss lady. I okay. took the quiz as well. Awesome. I had to fib on a couple questions <laughs> around menses. I had to sort of assume what type of menses I would have had. But I'm a nightingale. So just ah. for FYI. So go to Dr. Taz's website and take <laughs> yeah. these quizzes. It's fascinating stuff. Yeah, for sure. I, I love it. Yeah, and I'm going to be playing more with those over the next year, few, you know, next year or so. I really want to develop that out a little bit more. Nice. That's great. Nice. And your latest book is uh, titled The Hormone Shift, um, yeah. which goes through hormone changes basically from puberty to menopause. So what is your overall approach to women's hormones clinically? And do you actually do you test hormones? Do you give hormones? What's kind of you, your, your stance on, on how to address yeah. changes? 
Yeah, and so, yes, to all of that, we test hormones. We use a lot of uh, saliva testing, urine testing. In fact, you know, I use Genova stuff from day one of the practice, I remember, and um, have relied on that. We also do blood testing through LabCorp Quest or some of the more traditional lab companies as well. But um, my stance on all of it is that we need to check our hormones, period, end of story. And it needs to start early. It needs mm -hmm. to start with our teenagers, and then it needs to continue through the decades and it should be happening at least once a year at a minimum, maybe even twice a year. And then if you're starting to have, you know, true hormone based conditions, then a little bit more frequently. And we give hormones, you know, and the toolbox on that is everything from bioidentical hormones, like your transdermal creams, your progesterone, testosterone, estrogen, and the different formulations to actually doing prescription, you know, conventional prescription based, you know, Vival, patches, Prometrium, those mm -hmm. type of things. We use mm -hmm. the whole toolbox. The only thing I probably don't use, I don't do pellets. I don't, I'm not particularly a fan of those for different reasons. But the premise of what we do, again, is merging Eastern and Western medicine together. And it's very much around you need to have a healthy gut, a healthy liver, stable blood sugar. You know, we need to monitor things like sleep and stress and your nutrient load. Uh, they would say chi, right? Or mm -hmm. uh, looking sort of at your overall prana. Like we need to look at these type of things. And then we determine what we're going to do with your hormones. So hormone and hormone replacement is super important, but hormones behave in a particular fashion when the rest of the chemistry is doing its thing. So we want the right sort of landscape for hormone replacement if we're going to make that decision. And we also kind of want to understand your personal you know, profile. So you may not have the genes or the genetics to detox hormones very well. Like, right, I have COMT, which is one of the genetic SNPs. Other people have MTHFR. Other people have CYP1B1. I mean, alphabet soup I know is super boring, but <laughs> what these genetic SNPs tell us is that for somebody like me with COMT, I can't tolerate a heavy-handed dose of hormones, right? I can't metabolize the estrogen. And if you look at our familial history, estrogen dominance, conversion into androgens, that's the story for a couple of generations, probably only identified now, you know? And so with me, if you gave me a heavy dose patch, I'm going to blow up literally and, you know, not tolerate it very well, have a lot of mood issues and other issues that go with it. But I can handle a baby, baby dose that I am metabolizing and then doing some supportive metabol uh, detoxification work around. So that's the approach. It's like, who are you? Where do you stand in this grand scheme of things like gut, liver, genetics, nutrients, sleep, stress, lifestyle? Where are you? And then based off that, what hormone decision do we want to make? Yeah. yeah. Based, based on what you just said, like a lot of clinicians out there just reach for the hormone replacement, right? Mm -hmm. Just to chase mm -hmm. symptoms. And, or a value on a test. Or yeah. a value on a test, a thousand percent. Yeah. So how often do you see symptomatic improvement or big shifts, hormonal shifts, Speaking of this book, how often do you see the hormone shift with lifestyle things like mental, emotional or nutrition or microbiome? Like how much do you see a shift prior to even considering a hormone replacement? Oh, my God. I love that question, because honestly, we can get 70 percent of the way there. Nice. If you focus on food and nutrients nice. and gut and some of these other things, then the additional hormone is kind of just like the icing. Mm -hmm. But when people don't do that work, we need bigger doses of hormones. And that's an issue because those bigger doses may or may not work for you. You may have side effects or you or you might not. And conventionally, most doctors are giving hormones, but not measuring 
like what the body's doing with it, right? Mm, yep. So they'll look at an estradiol and you'll look at a progesterone, but you're not looking at all the in-between metabolites to really yep. understand, okay, you're all happy. It's like, oh, I got my estrogen level, or the estradiol level up past 50, but where's your estrone? You mm. know, where are some of these other markers? Where's yep. your sex hormone binding globulin? Where's your AST and ALT? Like what's happening with everything else? And so when you don't think about hormones holistically, then you do kind of like start to practice the way we were all originally trained to practice. You <laughs> right. start practicing the Band-Aid approach or the right. protocol approach, right? Rather than the holistic approach. Mm. So my challenge to everybody is we just, we have to change our way of practice. We really have to think, you know, in circles, not in lines to be able to understand how to replace hormones efficiently and effectively for the patient with the goal being to do the minimum. That's the goal. Mm -hmm. You know, the goal is how little hormone can I get away with? Right. Not how much hormone can I give? And I would also say the lab work has been interesting and this might be a maturity thing and it comes with time, but I use uh, the labs to see if they match the patient. So I prioritize the patient's story first, the labs to me are secondary. Mm -hmm. yeah. And even the patient sometimes is not in that mindset. They sit yeah. down and they're like, okay, let's, let's look at the labs. What do the labs say? I'm like, hang on, like, right. I need to hear where you are before I look at the labs. Cause I'm looking at these labs, trying to interpret it based off how you're running through your day. And that's really, again, when I argue that this is how medicine should be practiced, right? Cause a lab value is only a lab value in the context of what's going on with the patient. One data so, point, just And then you know what to prioritize, mm -hmm. right? Yes. Because, okay, let's see, you have 10 lab values that are off. Are you gonna do 10 things? You know, because you have 10 lab values that are off? No, you're gonna be like, okay, their highest issue, their biggest issue, what drove them, made them get in their car, drive all the way down, beat traffic, fly on the plane, whatever, and show up in this exam room. Their biggest issue was the fact that they're gaining weight. So out of my 10 lab values, which one of these matched weight gain and what do I need to do about it? And then we start to form and fashion treatment plans that way. Wow. That's so interesting. I, I appreciate that so much. I. I one of the things that stuck out was when you said that a lot of times patients are even maybe more attached to the lab value than uh, than the clinician at times. And it's, it makes me think of kind of like how we've gotten so data oriented and we have all, a bunch of biohackers now that are trying to like, mm -hmm. you know, we pull this lever and that sort of thing. We've always talked, you know, you have to match the clinical picture. And, and even though we're representing Genova and we talk with doctors, it's the same thing. It's like, OK, well, you know, you don't treat a number, you treat a patient. Mm -hmm. And so right. I just I really appreciate that. Yeah, agree. We we have that conversation over and over all day long. Here. Was, yeah. And one other question I had too was, um, you know, a lot of what you were talking about, getting seventy percent of the way there without the hormone, it has to do with oftentimes, you know, we're doing behavior change medicine a, a lot of times at the end of the yeah. day, and so some some of our patients who have hormonal struggles, you know, they feel they feel pretty bad, and so I often wonder, like, you know. Does a hormone help to get them just a little bit palliated so that then they have the energy to go through with some of the more difficult behavior changes? Or how do you how do you kind of approach like, do I start with the hormone and then address the behavior change stuff or or other way around, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the art of practice, right? Mm -hmm. That's the art of so understanding who's sitting in front of you and which lever to pull. I think that's the art of it. I absolutely agree. If you've got somebody who's not sleeping through the night, who's snapping at their significant other left and right, who is just a mess, telling them, okay, well, here's the diet plan and mm -hmm. you're like right. your supplement. Right. Yeah, you know, that might not be the best first choice. You may actually just want them to sleep. So here, take progesterone, let's start a little bit of estrogen, let's get going, and then let's see where we land from there. So I think, you know, the art 
of this is looking at the person in front of you, using everything that you've got to help you make those decisions, and then understanding what the patient is going to buy into, right? Like where, where, I'm always trying to train my doctors, like, you know, where will the patient first see the most impact that will then motivate them to stay put, right? So if you give them a plan, which you, they're desperate, and you know it's going to take like three to four weeks on this plan for a significant change, that might not be your best first option. That might actually be your second option. The first is to get them to feel good. And then from there, you move into these other areas of, um, you know, of how to, how to get the rest of it lined out. But, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, I think this is why AI will never take over, you know, being a practitioner because you truly need to listen and you truly need to judge and, kind of pull all your senses in terms of making that decision, you know, but if we're going to practice protocol medicine, like you have this, therefore do that, you have this, therefore do that, then sure, like somebody else, a robot can take over. They don't Mm -hmm. need us. Yeah. 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 And it would be very surprising to see that robot actually deal with chronic disease. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, well, I will say there's a lot of people out there listening who are just eating up all these knowledge nuggets. Um, And, you know, there's more. It's not just here on this podcast with Dr. Taz. You go to drtaz.com. There's incredible information. There's books, including The Hormone Shift, which we're talking about today. There's Wellness Guides formulas. And they can even schedule an appointment to work directly with Dr. Taz. And we even follow you on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Tons of really inter- interesting th- stuff over at Dr. Taz MD. But you also have a YouTube channel. Can you talk a little bit about what you're trying to do with that YouTube channel? What's going on over there? Yeah, I think the YouTube channel is really just trying to reach a wider audience. And I think really to, to teach this type of medicine, honestly. Yeah. I think that's the purpose of Instagram and TikTok are nuggets. I love this. Those are knowledge nuggets. I'm going to steal that from you, by the way. <laughs> so those are little tiny knowledge nuggets that we put out there and, and try to get people engaged in this conversation. At a level that they can relate to, but they're exactly that. Thirty seconds here, a minute there. Mm-hmm. You know, not not a heavy dive into everything. YouTube, we're trying to take that information, and go a little bit deeper and a little bit heavier, and really teach. And I'm hoping that more and more people will start to understand that. And ultimately, ultimately, I really do want to create a learning management system for this sort of methodology for the for the medical community. I think that if we all got trained this way and thought that way thought this way and saw how it is practical and deliverable and not woo-woo and not yeah. totally against conventional medicine, yeah. then I think that more and more doctors would be on board and then we could ultimately change the system. I yeah. love it. And we can't thank you enough, Dr. Tass, for spending yeah. time with us. And I mean, for everything that you do. Yeah, for yeah. what you put out in the thank world. You. I mean, we, thank you. Thank you so much, Genova, guys. We're just huge fans of you. Yeah. Um, but I want to encourage all the listeners to go to drtaz.com. Check out all the cool stuff she has there. Follow her on social media at drtazmd. Mm-hmm. Check her out on YouTube and go get this book, for The sure. Hormone Shift. It's so great. But before we let you go, uh-huh. we do have one last question yes. that I'm going to kick to Michael Chapman. We have a silly curveball question. <laughs> it's called the fireball. It's meant to catch you off guard like, like I just threw a fireball at you. And this fireball <laughs> question uh, is, it goes like this. So I, it seems that you are a longtime Atlantean. And yes. um, if you were to ask like 10-year-old Michael what the best thing about being in Atlanta is, he'd probably say either the Coca-Cola Museum or Six Flags Over Georgia. What, in your opinion, is the best thing about Atlanta? Ooh, I think the best thing about Atlanta is the mix of opportunity mm-hmm. and the sense of, what's the right word? It's still a new city. Mm. Oh. So it's the sense of possibility. I think Atlanta to me represents possibility. You know, LA is all about 
LA's creativity, New York to me is is business and diversity. I think Atlanta is possibility. You dream it and you may be one of the first to actually do it. And there's a lot of support within the community to make things happen. How about that? I thought she was gonna say Coca-Cola. I'm moving. No, no, sorry, I was being more abstract. <laughs> I love it. That's profound. And and like I said, Dr. Taz, we're honored to, honored to meet you. Um, we've always been big yeah, fans and, and we truly. can't thank you enough for coming on the show. And, and like I said, check out the book, The Hormone Shift. And with that, thank you so much, Dr. Taz, yeah, for your time. Thank you, thank you guys. I think I could talk to her for like several hours. <laughs> yeah. She's I mean, charming. I would really want to get under the hood of what she did from an Ayurvedic slash oh, right. the doshas oh. overlined with Chinese medicine, overlined oh. with, man, wh- what a cool thing. And um, right up your alley. I think what she had to say as far as addressing hormones and getting so much out of just diet, lifestyle, other interventions that are so critically important rather than just giving hormones, um, it's a really good message. And uh, just so happens. We have a hormone test, don't we, Patty? You know, and I was, this is, that's what struck me too, because the past several weeks we've been talking a lot about hormones because we just came out with the Endo Plus profile. And so we've been talking about all the things we don't know about hormones, but think we do. And it's shocking how much hormone balance has to do with those diet and lifestyle strategies. So I loved hearing her say that. So I thought that was fascinating too. Yeah, agreed. I mean, probably a much better use of people's time than talking about hot sauce. Oh, agreed. I mean, that was... That's pretty wasteful. <laughs> Although, Although important. Cholula over Tapatio, I must right. say. Yeah. All right. Next time on The Lab Report, Dr. Bill Rawls. I am excited. We're going to talk all about herbs, which, again, right up your alley, Michael Boom, Chapman. Boom! Herbal medicine. Man, this is going to be sweet. Sweet like licorice. What? You've been listening to The Lab Report. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast, rate us, and leave us a review. To learn more about Genova Diagnostics, visit our website at gdx.net. There you'll find information on specific testing, educational resources, and how to connect with our show. Call us at 1-800-522-4762 or email us at podcast at gdx.net. Did you really go to the Coca-Cola factory in Atlanta when you were little? To the see Coca-Cola how Museum, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's, it's actually quite entertaining. I don't know if it's still like this, but they have this room where it's a big circle, mm-hmm. and you press a button of what Coca-Cola product you want in okay. your cup, yeah. and then it goes through like all these like tubes and stuff, and then shoots out from the center of the room right into your cup in a big Get out of here. Oh, it's really cool. Huh. I don't know if they still have it. We should go. If they still have it, uh, you can let me know. I can't go. I'm on keto. Well, just because you're on keto doesn't mean you can't watch soda squirt from the wall into my cup. No, it does. It'll I'll break my keto for sure. <laughs> I did also have one of my favorite toys growing up that I bought there. What's that? Which was a dancing Coca-Cola man. What like does that a, mean? It was like a Coke can with sunglasses, and then when it when there was wow. sound, it would dance. I wow. loved that thing. I was devastated when it finally broke. All right, now I know what kind of Christmas gift I'm getting you this awesome. year. Awesome. <laughs>